Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa and narrator of the Hey David podcasts. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers too. Welcome. Today I'm going to talk with him about fear, faults, evidence appearing real. People sometimes let fear stop them from accomplishing good things or fulfilling their dreams. Sometimes people use fear to manipulate minds and control situations. Confident living is always better than angst. Hey, David. It's Grandpa. I heard you had COVID recently. I bet that was rough. I'm so sorry. Many people fear catching that virus. I'm also sorry for their fear. So, I want to talk with you about fear, being fear-driven or not, and how to rise above it. I did some research on fear, thinking about what to say to you. There is way too much fear in the world. Some people make choices based on fear. Others use fear for manipulation. In my experience, playing on their fear is a powerful way to sway the masses. I run on the bank, as in the Jimmy Stewart movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is a fear response, for example. So, what role does it play in your life? Really, it's all about how you process it. Let me share some thoughts from my research and from my personal understanding and from the Bible. Clarity of thought allows you to process fear in constructive, productive ways. Fear is real, but the thoughts that produce it may be off target or even false, and the thoughts that fear produces could be unfounded or even harmful. Let's see. Here's a dry definition for you. Fear is a normal biochemical response to stimuli, either real or conjured. The universal trigger to fear is the threat of harm, whether real or imagined. Wasn't that enlightening? Yet, when you think about it, fear is thinking about it negatively. At the very least, fear arises from your thoughts. I love what Mary Kay Ash says regarding fear. Quote, Fear is the misuse of imagination. End quote. That's pretty good. Of course, she was talking about imagining the worst, dreading it, and being handcuffed to make a sales presentation. Not all fear is imagined. I get that. Some fear is a clear observation of danger. Say, you're falling into a crevasse as you're climbing Mount Rainier. You know that you're about to be swallowed by the ice forever. That's not imaginary fear. That's a real-life situation. But even in this, keeping a cool head, no pun intended, is far healthier than panicking. Worrying about things that may or may not happen has driven many people into anxiety and depression and an inability to function. Sadly, it's mainly in their heads. So fear, 
It's a matter of thinking about what lies ahead and projecting disaster. That's not a healthy way to live. It's called anxiety disorder for a reason. One such reason is because it interferes with basic life tasks, work and sleep for two. Look at this. I counted 145 different named phobias. 145. When you put a name on something, you begin to normalize it. Are we accepting phobic living as normal now? You've heard of paralyzing fear or being crippled by fear, frozen, as it were, and unable to respond at a crucial time. It happens. On top of that, there is the dastardly destructive impact of long-term anxiety, also called worry, stress, or insecurity. It leads to continual expectations of bad things happening, which will further lead to hopelessness and depression. Both mental health and physical health erode under the pressure of anxiety. I can't say where anxious people find their ghosts, but I do know that objectless fear turns into debilitating chronic anxiety. That ain't good, especially when it becomes extreme and out of proportion to the actual perceived or imagined threat. Anxiety-inducing processes are as old as time, I suppose. We can learn to fear or dread nearly anything. As I said, the list of known named phobias is extensive. Sometimes we teach ourselves. A key phrase of self-induced dread is, it might, or what if. We're asking our minds to imagine horrible outcomes. Phew, that stinks, doesn't it? Sometimes others, typically people in power, seek to control the masses through alarm and fright. Isn't this the way Nazi Germany functioned? You see, fear is our natural response to a threat, whether real or imagined. Consider the natural response to a real threat. Fear motivates and stimulates and activates my ability to extricate myself. That's good. However, when there are imagined outcomes or consequences, the what-ifs of life, and we let ourselves go down the dark path of this could lead to horrible things, that fear is not good. It's destructive. The stimulated fear of an imagined and improbable consequence can cripple us or paralyze us if we let it. It can cause us to avoid people, places, or things because of what might happen. Fear distorts reality, deflates our strength, and lessens our lives. Our mental health is at risk. On the other hand, fear can be a useful tool. Not being afraid doesn't mean not being aware of or acknowledging the threat. Fear can be leveraged to identify the source of anxiety. It can be overcome, as you will see. It can even be used as a propellant to accomplishment, a springboard to success, as it were. People who are afraid in a situation might have an adrenaline rush and from the adrenaline be able to remove themselves from danger. 
Run for it. Think of antonyms to fear. Antonym is a fancy word which means opposite meaning or opposite name. I think of confidence, bravery, assurance, boldness, or fearlessness. Clearly, fearlessness is an antonym for fear. Courage might be considered an overcoming response to fear. Fear is good. It allows us to respond quickly, decisively, and effectively to real danger. Fear is good. You've heard that fear generates a fight-or-flight response. This is true. Fear protects us when the danger is real and imminent. David, it is important for us to distinguish between real fear, real threat or real danger, and the alarm it generates on the one hand from imagined or perpetrated or gaslighted fear danger. On the other hand, it is important for us to distinguish and delineate. When I was a child, I watched cartoons as often as I could. My grandson Timmy does the same now. They were always written and animated by adults. Sometimes the cartoon would have ghosts. I don't know what those adults were thinking. So, Mickey Mouse would look into the closet and see a ghost looking back at him, and he would panic and run. That's powerful stuff to put into the mind of an impressionable young person. I was probably six years old at the time. My dad was away in the Navy, and my sister and I would take turns sleeping in the big bed with Mom. One night, Susan was in bed with Mom, and I was in the bottom bunk bed in my room, all the way down the hall, with a bathroom in between. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I saw two ghosts, their ghostly outlines looking out from the closet right at me. I was scared out of my mind. I ran and hid behind the dresser, which was between the closet door and me, and I peered around the corner of the dresser, and the ghostly outlines of the ghost were peering around at me. In a panic, I ran full speed down the hall to Mom's bedroom. That was almost 70 years ago, and I still vividly see it. There was nothing there, but I was scared silly. That was imagined fear, but its intensity was real. It was fight or flight for me, and I wasn't going to fight no ghost, so I ran. No fight, just flight. That horrifying experience from my childhood was illogical. It was dream-induced. It was imaginary. What I'm trying to tell you, why I told the story, is that it became ingrained in me. It was an illogical, irrational fear of dark closets that persists to this day. Period. To this day. Yet, I have triumphed over the illogical and irrational fear. I do it by self-talk. I tell myself there's nothing in there. I know that as a fact, but my imagination sees it otherwise, that there might be something in there. I choose to overcome my imagination by logic. I know for a fact there is nothing harmful in there, but I must remind myself of that every time I walk into a dark room. I still reach my hand into the room first, turning on the light before I go in. To this day, I over come the fear of that darkness 
by knowing and reminding myself that there is nothing there. But I still turn the light on first. Remember Mary Kay Ash? Fear is a misuse of the imagination. There's also the quote from Zig Ziglar, quote, Fear is spelled F-E-A-R. That means false, evidence, appearing, real, end quote. When I understand that the thing I'm dreading is not real, that it has been manufactured by my mind or by an outside influence, that's when I beat fear. I refuse to be controlled by or driven by fear. And I do not let the panic of the herd move me to fear-driven action either. There's another powerful concept that I use in combating fear. I embrace what the Apostle John said, quote, perfect love cast out fear, end quote. He did not say there was nothing to fear. He did not suppose there was no threat or danger. John wrote to people who were under excessive pressure, opposition, torture, false accusations, seizure of property, loss of jobs, and even of life. Many things could go wrong for them. They had ample opportunities to fear what their actions might cost them. So John said to them, Perfect love cast out fear. They were empowered to make decisions and run their lives by faith rather than to succumb to fear. Knowing that I am in the hands of God, that He has me at every turn, that there is no power or force bigger than Him, that there is nothing that can harm me from the standpoint of destroying that relationship with Him, knowing all that removes any fear of consequences I might face because I remain true to Him. Yeah, bad things could happen to me, but I will never let the dread of those things cause me to act in panic or cowardice. I still have qualms about going to the dentist. Who doesn't? But I go anyway, don't I? I'm still cautious when driving. And when the car spins out of control, there's an adrenaline rush, the sense of danger and jeopardy. Who doesn't sense that? But I still drive, don't I? In the same way, I might perceive that there is danger in standing for what I believe. But I choose to stand anyway. Fear will not dominate me and dictate my choices. It's not about removing all sense of threat or danger from my life. It's about two things. It's about, number one, being able to differentiate between that which is real and that which is imagined. And it's about, number two, dealing mentally with every fear so as not to panic or make panic-driven choices. It's about not becoming anxious and letting that destroy my peace of mind. In short, David, it's about mentally processing any danger and responding in a way that is healthy. As I said, it's not about being unaware. It's about not letting the awareness of danger or threat affect my mental and physical well-being. It's about making decisions from a positive, faith-based mindset. At this point, let me sum up with three steps. I use them to overcome my anxious moments and put fear in its place. Here's what I do. First, I take stock of where I am. Is this anxiety fact-based or runaway imagination? I try to separate what is true 
from the what-ifs. Next, I stop and talk to my father about how I'm feeling and ask for his guidance and care. Finally, I reassure myself with verses that remind me that he's in control and that all will be well. That's my process. Maybe it will work for you, too. After a while, it becomes a routine process and greatly lessens my angst level to near zero. Here are some verses that resonate with me. Peter said it well. In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, quote, Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you, end quote. Similarly, Paul had the answer to dread. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, quote, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is like David of old. Circumstances might evoke fear, but he always had the answer. Psalm 56, verse 3, quote, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. End quote. In short, trusting God enables me to control my anxious thoughts, and that reduces my sense of dread. It has worked for me for years. Now I give it to you, too. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you've got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. I want to talk with David about hope, how it will animate life. Hope empowers one to fight back against setbacks and put-downs. Hope is good. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore MacArthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, Monday, have have a joy-filled week. week.